Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Uriah here. No Chris tonight, but that's okay. It's the end of the regular season. And to commence the end of the regular season, we have one of our site contributors on. We have Justin D. Virgilio on. And Justin, I think this is the second time you've been on our podcast, but the first time that me and you have shared this podcast, because I think last time you were on with Chris. So welcome back, man. End of the regular season. A lot of things to talk about. Yeah, th- thank you for having me back. It's it's great to be back. It's great that the regular season is now over, and now we can all start having our palms sweat and watching the postseason. <laughs> so okay. it's either going to be like it's going to be Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption, or it's going to be Phil Connors from Groundhog Day. Like th- this postseason, I'm dreading it, but I'm ecstatic at the same time. I I don't know, guys. It's just here we are again, right? Yeah, here we are again for sure. So the Sixers, they took on the Pistons at home tonight, and obviously the Sixers felt as though they needed to rest Joel Embiid, who, by the way, is the NBA scoring champ. Shout out and congratulations. Congrats. Well-deserved. But no, I mean, let's let's just be honest. It it just made sense that Doc would, would rest them, and I think Lucas wrote an article about that. I think before the weekend about resting the starters. It, so, so I, I wrote about resting James Harden the hours before the, the right. Saturday. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think it was the smart move and the Sixers won the game tonight. One eighteen, one Oh six. We had Tobias Harris did not have his best game. He only played 24 minutes. He ended up with six points. Tyrese Maxey had 25 points in the starting lineup. Uh, Shake Milton, Probably is the story of the game next to Paul Reed, who had, I think, a career high of 25 points. Mm-hmm. Career high. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to anything related specifically to the game, I wanted to go to both you guys and get your feeling about what you were thinking before the game. And when I say that is like, how did you feel before the game and that did you resign to accepting that the Sixers are going to get the fourth seed? Or did you really want the Sixers to win and hope that Memphis would beat Boston? What do you think, Justin? See, I really did. I was just accepting the fact that they were going to draw Toronto again and thinking about the flashbacks of defensive problems that we've had against Toronto teams because it's not the same team. It's nowhere actually nowhere near the same team as the title team. And they're just so long and they play such so well as a team. I was just like, of course we're going to draw this matchup. But I am, as a fan, I'm not scared for the Sixers to play anybody because if you really want to be there, you have to deal with whoever's in front of you and feel like you can beat them. I had resigned myself to this prior to this weekend that they were going to be stuck in the four seed. It just seemed inevitable, like Thanos would say. But in all seriousness, um, it just – 
I am concerned. Um, Toronto, you can argue the best like team def- has the best group of team defenders in the NBA. Not the best individual one-on-one defenders, but as a group, they they play team defense as well as anybody else in the league. Um, and Joel himself even said that uh, on Zach Lowe's podcast, a little post that he hates playing against Toronto because they, they play him so well. And that's worrisome. And it should be. Um, I'm not looking forward to this matchup in terms of it. Hopefully we can finally get past the ghost of 2018 with that, you know, you know, the four bounces, but, it's going to be a tough order, guys, in all seriousness. Yeah, I, I actually was hoping that the Sixers would win and Memphis would kind of come out with a victory against Boston. But as you saw, Boston had all their starters out. Tatum went off. And look, I agree with both you guys. We do not match up well with Toronto. I agree 100% with Justin in that you, you're going to have to – play against whoever's in front of you. And I do want revenge from that quadruple bounce game that Kawhi eliminated us with a couple years ago. But until that time comes, you know, we'll we'll see how we match up. And Embiid does have issues with all the double teaming and Nick Nurse being a, a great coach that he is. But let's go back to the game that the Sixers played tonight. Anything that we took away from this, Justin, against Detroit? Uh, I took away that Paul Reed, despite – being out of control, he just is a defensive end, and it's very nice to see a young, yeah, cry guy. Reed. Yeah, Paul Reed stuck out, and Shake Milton was getting easy buckets all night. Uh, that's more are bad on defense, but other than that, Paul Reed stood out to me, confirming that Doc Rivers just wants to lose his job if he doesn't play. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. I think Paul Reed has has made the very strong case for minutes in the postseason within these last a couple games. I I don't th- I think it's very hard to ignore the fact that he's the best backup center on the roster right now. Um, we didn't even see Paul Millsap. I didn't even see him on the bench. I only saw Charles Bassey who was injured, and DeAndre Jordan. He got blown by. He got tricked. And blown by by Luca Garza, Luca Garza, in the game, like the guy, like he was on a two way to begin the year, like Jordan, you're a former, you know, defensive player of the year, man, do better, like, come on, um, outside, of, huh? Do anymore? Not do better. He can't. He can't. The body, his body is significantly slower. He's he's the type of player that relied on his athleticism to make up for any mental, you know, or IQ mistakes that he had in the game, and now his body can't do it anymore. Um, outside of that, I want to say this is the exact type of game that Shake Milton need needed heading into the playoffs. Didn't shoot it great from downtown, but we know he's a good spot up three point shooter. And more importantly, this is the sh- this look, guys. Tell me if I'm wrong, but this looked like the Shake Milton. Yes, in 2019 when yes. Brown was like letting him go crazy, and like this is the type of guy that you need to have off your bench. Now he's not going to get you 30 off the bench, or at least I don't think he will. But if he can get you like 10 to 15 off your bench, considering how poor and this bench unit has been all season long, that's a win in the playoffs. 
So I, I absolutely loved it. And this also, I know we're, we're not really going to talk too much about, uh, you know, Matisse Thibel and this potential playoffs, but when he's not available, I think this kind of showed me I'd rather have Isaiah Joe than Korkmaz playing more minutes in a playoff series. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the Matisse Thibel stuff yeah. right now. Yeah, I, 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 look, Shake Milton, we're going to need him. I there's a lot of people out there that are down on him. They would say he doesn't belong in this team, that he doesn't deserve minutes, but we are going to need him because he's one of the few players that can get penetration into the lane, pull up mid-range, make a tough shot. He can finish lefty or righty, and he can pull up and hit a three. So it's just a matter of which Shake Milton are we going to get in the playoffs. And and Paul Reed, to your point, Justin, if Doc does not play Paul Reed in the playoffs, something is something is not right upstairs with, with him. I think he's foolish if he does not give him minutes because DeAndre Jordan, like you guys saw tonight, is cooked. The dude, he, he mm-hmm. is a reason why, and I think Lucas said this a few weeks ago, is a reason why he has been bouncing around the, the past couple of seasons. So uh, uh, Let's be real. He's been bouncing around since L.A. He did not yeah. last long in Dallas. He did not last long in the Knicks. He did not. He, Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. No, no, no. He played on the Knicks before Brooklyn, you're right. Right, right. He did. He did. He did. Yeah. And then Brooklyn, he lasted kind of long, but that was mainly just because of his relationship with Kyrie and KD. And then the Lakers, he started a handful of games, and then they realized we can't win this with this guy. And – you know, he was eventually waived by them too. Like th- this could very well be DeAndre Jordan's last season, guys. Like, like him and Paul Millsap could very well be out of the league next year. I don't think like his rebounding. Like he just cannot play. Like he can't move. His lateral quickness is all is gone. And like, what else does he give you? Yeah, rebounding. Okay, but like, at what cost? Well, look at look at what Paul Reed was doing tonight. This dude gets off the ground as quick as any young player in the league. He's athletic. Mm-hmm. He's playing like like a G League MVP. I, I don't know if that's the right. Oh standard. yeah, yeah. You know, no, 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 no. But I he's mean, playing right. like he he's playing like he wants to be there. He feels like he can contribute. He feels like he has the confidence to step up and fill that role. So why not give it to him? I mean, the, the positive thing is, to your point, Uriah, is that Doc Rivers did play him against Toronto, and he played well. He did. He did. He did well. So I think we're going to see Paul Reed in that matchup because Toronto has a lot of quick bigs. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're not big. They're quick. You got Preston Sichuo. You're probably not going to see too much of Ken Birch, to be honest. It's probably going to be either Siakam or Preston Press. Sorry, hang on. Preston. I can't say the word right now. His name, Achuo. Anyway, I can say his last name, yeah. which is probably harder than his first name. But anyway, I you're going to see more of those two at center than you will Ken Birch. So you're going to see plenty of Paul Reed. I, 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 if you don't, it's a fireable offense, honestly. Yeah. Whoosh. Yes, the play-in, Uriah, which is a very – I'm excited for the play-in because in the West you have the Pelicans and Spurs at the 10 and 9 – and that actually, Pelicans are nine, Spurs are ten, and then Minnesota at the seven, Clippers at the eight, and then in the East you have the Hornets at ten, the Hawks at nine, the Nets at seven, the Cavs at eight. Guys, what what do we predict with the playing in the Eastern Conference? Uh, okay, I think 
You know what? I'll do it. I think Cleveland is going to make the playoffs over Brooklyn. <laughs> so they're going to get the what? seventh spot. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Really? Okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. You got seven, seven. The Cavs get the seventh spot. And then, and two, then one. Uh, yeah. And I got uh, Philly's newest quote unquote rival. Atlanta Hawks are going to be your eight seed. So you think the okay? So after the eight, seven, eight, and nine, ten matchups, then you have to, in order to figure out who's going to be the mm-hmm. eighth seed, loser of the seven, eight, which would be the Nets in your opinion, would have to play play the Hawks, the winner of that nine, ten, and you're saying the Hawks would beat the Nets. Yeah, no, you said the Cavaliers. And here's no, my, no, like no, you no, said- no, guys. Okay, let me explain the plan for you guys. The first matchup. Seven, eight. Oh, okay, because I see because the Nets would even though they lost, they're still in it. I get it. Yeah, right. they're still in it. I they mean. have to lose twice to get out of it. Right. Okay. So, so the Nets have to play the Hawks. Are you said who wins that matchup between the Hawks and the Nets? Oh, Atlanta. And I'm only I'm only picking Atlanta. Ooh. I know I know Ooh, it sounds wow. takey because I I kind of think it would be funny personally. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be. But I think it's one game. Yeah. And Brooklyn plays horrid defense. Okay. Oh. Should be noted that right now John Collins is out, I believe, or he hasn't okay. played in a very long time. Yeah. That being said, Uriah, what are your what's your take on this? I agree that the Hawks are gonna win that plan against the Hornets. I don't think the Hornets have enough to to take on the Hawks. I do think that the Nets are gonna handle the Cavs, no problem. But as far as if I'm looking at the home records of some of these teams and the Atlanta Hawks are 27 and 14, which is a very good record at home for Atlanta. So they they'll probably handle business. The Brooklyn Nets are only they're 20 and 21 at home. So it's not like they're the best home team. So if they Mm -hmm. advance and they take on the winner of the Hawks Hornets, well, there's a chance that that team could could take that, whether it's the Hawks or Hornets. I think it'll be the Hawks. I'm just shocked that Justin's like. Like the Nets, like they're gonna be out. They're not even gonna make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm down in that very. It's like that's <laughs> hot takey. That that's like smoking hot. One of my hot favorite takey. players of all time. I'm doubting Kevin Durant just so, for fun. So, no, no, I got you. So you're right. Just to be clear, so you have the Nets in at seven, and who was the Hawks Cavaliers at eight? Uh, I say Hawks. So you you have the flip flop from Justin. Okay. Right. Okay. So for me, I, I think the Nets are going to get it just purely because I don't think Jared Allen's back healthy yet, as far as I know. He didn't play in the season finale, so I don't know if he's going to be healthy. And I think they need both him and Mobley. Mobley's back to, in order to beat the Nets in a play-in. Um, I do agree with you guys. I think the Hawks get that. I think it's going to be a fun game because both are high-powered offenses. And I think it could flip either way, but I think playoff experience will be in the favor of the Hawks there. Um, so between the Hawks and the Cavaliers, that's a tough one, guys. I I I, I hate that I have to choose one because I like both teams. I guess I'll go with the Hawks just play, based off of playoff experience, but I I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs beat the Hawks either. So, okay, now we got to go to the Western Conference, guys. Okay, so the Western Conference. Justin, who wins the 7-8 matchup between the Timberwolves and Clippers? Kawhi Leonard isn't back. No. Right? No. no, no, no. Okay. Paul George is back, and I don't think 
uh, Norman Powell's back. I, I saw him return the other night. Oh, did he return? Okay. Okay, so he's back. So then, yeah, you're just missing Kawhi then. No matter how you cut it this way, so I'll just answer it straightforward. The Clippers are going to defeat uh, the Timberwolves in that first playing game. Okay. And, and then the winner, and then, what is it, San Antonio at New Orleans. Yeah. And so I'll pick New Orleans to win that one. Okay. And then I think Minnesota beats New Orleans. Hmm. Yeah, so you just think, okay, yep. I think the Timberwolves, they're going to be at home. They're one of the best teams since the All-Star break. They're playing in unison right now. Cat is playing out of his mind. I'm going to go Timberwolves over the Clippers, and then I'm going to go Pelicans over the Spurs just because I think the Pelicans have, have a little bit more firepower than the Spurs. And then they got that, a little bit more veteran leadership too with CJ. Right. That's what I'm thinking with Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. And I and mean, it, who knows? Maybe Zion's back. No. No. Zion's not playing could. until next they, year. That's you know, wishful they, thinking. So at this point, it's uh it would be Timberwolves Pelicans? No, Clippers, Clippers, Pelicans. Clippers, Pelicans, and I would probably go Clippers at that point. I would go Clippers. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see any combination. I, I, I agree with Uriah's take. I think because it's a home game, I think Timberwolves are going to squeak that out, though it's going to be a close game. And then I think the Clippers are going to beat uh, whoever comes out of that 9-10, and I think the Pelicans will. If the Pelicans had Zion, then I might be singing a different tune. But I don't think, like you said, it's probably not going to happen. So I got that. So then we have a couple other matchups here, guys. We have the three, six, and the four, five matchups in each conference. And let me go ahead and pull that up real quick because we did not have that graphic. We're going to start with a three, six, which would be the Golden State Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets. Justin, who wins that one? I like Golden State for the simple fact that they are more experienced in the playoffs. Steph Curry, Clay on Green, finally back in the playoffs again for the first time in the new arena. Denver doesn't have enough perimeter defense. No one really kind of does when Golden State gets hot anyway. Uh, I just like the, the Warriors, and they have some underrated defense in terms of just playing as a team with Jordan Poole. Draymond is the quarterback of the D. I think they're just a well, more well-rounded team. This Jokic being the second best player in the NBA this year. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. But you're right. Your take. I agree. I, I think that the Warriors have more experience. There's no guarantee. I was just reading that Steph Curry may not play in that first game of that series. But whether he does he- or not, that experience will will take them a little bit higher in terms of the experience level and in, in advancing. I, I'd take Golden State in like six games. Yeah, I think Golden State is going to win this one. Even if Steph doesn't start off the series, you still have Klay Thompson, who is about 70% of his old self. You still got Draymond Green. You still have even Jordan Poole, man. Like Jordan Poole has looked really good this season. He might get most improved player. He might, and I wouldn't be mad about it. I mean, honestly, um, I, I you know what? I should have had him on my ballot. I wasn't even thinking about him when I did my ballot. Um, and then the loss of Jamal Murray and, like, they just – Jokic doesn't have enough. 
I'm not saying Jokic is a bad defender, but you can't build a, uh, an elite defend, defense around Jokic, you know, anchoring it, in a, and especially in a playoff series. Hmm. Hmm. Like, you can't. Hmm. Like, he, he, he's – I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a smart defender, and he has quick hands. You might but, trigger You might trigger Chris, man. So. Well, good thing he's not here then, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're, we miss you, Chris. But seriously, though, seriously. But, like – He's not going to – I mean, he got to the Western Conference Finals once, right, out of how many times he's been to the playoffs? Like, he he can be ex- – not exposed, but, like, he, are you going to be able to get stops down the stretches with him anchoring your defense? The answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is no. And that's the difference. And, like, Aaron Gordon's a good defender. Cool. Like, they have decent defenders on that team, but they're not an elite defensive team. And without the elite offense that they can produce, it's this null and void. Um, going to the four five matchups, Dallas Mavericks, Utah Jazz. Justin, who do you have? Dallas, just because Luca has literally been on a different type of level, and I really don't want to see them lose in the first round again, for the simple fact that, well, Luca has been on a different level, and I just think chemistry issues may be a real problem on Utah. Mm-hmm. Between Mitchell and Go specifically, there's been a few reports about that ever since the COVID uh, thing and uh, Rudy Gobert's bad attempt at a skit just to make light of <laughs> real time. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't necessarily knock him for it, but that's what I – Dallas. And I, I like that they, uh, they got better after the All-Star break. I can't believe Washington was that dumb to just – they just gave Bertans and Dinwiddie for – I guess a bigger name in Porzingis. So I, yeah. I like the roster better and they could really spread the jazz thin like the Clippers did last year in that second round series. I'm going to echo what Justin just said. I think Dallas advances. I think Luca is on fire. I think he has something to prove. Utah, they're not on the same page. There's been some disgruntled players in that locker room between the players that were just mentioned. I just think Dallas, they just move on this year. That's that's my thinking. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think Dallas is just the better, you know, like they're better. I'm, I don't want to say a better coach because I think Quinn Snyder is a great coach. But what the different style of coaching that Jason Kidd has brought to that team has been revelation. And then on top of that, like you said, the chemistry issues. Guys, Utah might be one of the teams that just blow it up. Yep. Like, let's be real. Like, I can see it. If they lose this first round series, Gobert's probably gone, and you know Mitchell might ask out too. It could happen, and I would love to see that happen because you know I'm all about NBA movement and drama. Because why not? It's the he probably wants a bigger market like New York. I uh, we are not going to be able to afford Mitchell, not without giving up Tyrese, and I'm not doing that. I I'm not. Right. I agree. I I'm not. Tree- getting- and side note, Justin, this is just my personal thought, and I'll say it. Tyrese is untradeable. That's fine. Yeah. That's All right. Any, anyway, but going back to my point, yeah, I think – and going, you, I forgot who mentioned Dinwiddie, but here's the thing. Dinwiddie was not a good fit next to Beal, but Dinwiddie coming off the bench is a fit for Luka, and it's been – I think now that he's there, they're one of the best clutch teams. Fantastic. It's just – it works out. I think they get to the second round. I don't know if they get past that, but just because the w- top of the West is very loaded. But 
it will be a fun series. Now, going to the East, guys, we got Chicago and Milwaukee. I think we're all probably going to have the same answer here, but we got to do this anyway. Justin, who do you have? Winning in the 3-6 matchups? 3-6 Milwaukee versus Chicago. Uh, oh, sorry. I blanked for a second. Milwaukee. I, it's just reigning champs. Giannis is arguably opinion, but arguably all three of the guys like Giannis, Jokic, and B are the, have been the best player this year. Like when you have that in the first round, that's enough. Yeah, I, I agree. Milwaukee, I, I could see them walking away winning four games to one. Chicago probably squeaks a home game in the playoffs. Chicago has some nice wing players. I, I just don't see anybody on Chicago that can guard Giannis and Listen, Milwaukee, reigning champs. They've been together for quite some time. They know each other. They have a good coach. So, yeah, I'd say Milwaukee in five. I, I'm also going to say Milwaukee, but I think it's going to be a sweep. I'm sorry. I like I like Chicago, but this is literally one of the worst matchups for them. The, Milwaukee and us are the two worst matchups for Chicago because as great as the offensive force that Vucevic can be, DeMar's really a two, but he's been playing three this season. And then Pat Williams, he's just gotten back uh, after missing pretty much all of the season. And he's like 5'9 in like a thin, thin frame. Like he's – they don't have the depth to handle somebody like Giannis. It's just not going to happen. Giannis is going to have his way with that in that series. And I wouldn't be surprised if – well, okay, maybe Middleton will struggle. But the thing is they're missing Lonzo Ball. If they had Lonzo Ball, this could be an interesting series because Lonzo makes that much of a difference for them. But without Lonzo Ball, well, wow, I didn't think I would ever say Lonzo (laughs) is a difference maker in the playoff series, but he is. Um, This becomes a much easier matchup for anybody because Alex Caruso can only guard one person. Um, So, yeah, I think it's Milwaukee. Now, the one that I'm kind of dreading because I don't... I, Come on, just a, do it. Okay, the four, <laughs> five, Sixers, Toronto. Justin, who do you uh, have coming out in that series? Uh, well, Matisse Thibel is officially ineligible for games three and four mm. in Toronto. So yeah. I don't know how much of that will sway any decision. Homer take, like super duper homer take. I want to say, it, I definitely think it goes six or seven, just because I think. Maxi continues to progress and make him even more on trade. Lucas said, and I just think Toronto doesn't have enough offense. He goes cold one too many games. Basically, basically a hard series, like everything we're expecting. I I'm going to go with the Sixers as well. I'm looking at their stats. They're very very similar in terms of the points that they score per game and the amount of points they give up. Both teams uh, score about 109 points per game and give up 107. They both have identical home winning records or records 24 and 17. The Sixers are a better away team. Go figure. And to your point, Justin, look, Matisse Thibel, you know, whatever personal choice, and not going to go too deep into it. It's going to really stink to not have him in Toronto, but you know, next man up, as they say. And I just feel like Harden is going to snap out of his slump. I just have a feeling. 
I think Maxi is going to elevate his game. And Lucas has mentioned that before to me privately that this is this is like the postseason where he be, his star just just goes off into another hemisphere, into another galaxy. And Joel is going to be Joel. Nobody on Toronto can stop Joel. They're going to have to triple team, triple team him, double team him. And hopefully these guys can step up and hit open shots, which I'm banking on. So I say Sixers in, in seven games. You guys are really going to make me be the pessimist here, aren't you? What? Oh, uh, right. we're ready for it. I can hear it. <laughs> okay. So this okay. season, the Sixers are one and three against the Raptors. The one time that they won, they had Watanabe starting because they were that thin on terms of depth. I think they were going through one of their COVID scares. Yeah, and they just lost this past game against Toronto without Van Vliet or Ananobi. Both will be back now. Um, oh, Sixers have nobody nobody that can guard Siakam, except if you put Joel on him. But do you really want to risk Joel getting into foul trouble guarding a smaller player like that? And the biggest thing, like the matchups, like it's an even draw if you want to. Like maybe the Sixers have more top end talent, but the Raptors are more athletic. And they're deeper. But the thing that really tips it for me, and I hate to say this, but Nick Nurse is a much better coach <laughs> than Doc Rivers. Like, let's be real about that. That's 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 the Achilles heel in this series is Doc Rivers. Yeah. It's not the talent, it's Doc Rivers. And I'm gonna be the I'm gonna take Chris's role here for a minute and just be the pessimist. And I believe that Doc Rivers will be out coached. A lot in this series. And oh, wow. without without Matisse on the road, that certainly doesn't help either. So I'm going to say the Sixers will lose this series. Oh. And I I'm hate gonna... for that to happen. I think it's going to take about six or seven. Okay. All right. I mean, it's going to suck if that really happens, but at least they don't get embarrassed. I mean, could they get – could they lose in five? Maybe. Okay. All I right. mean, all like. But like, in I'm gonna be positive and say that's gonna happen in six or seven. Yeah, that's, I think a lot of a lot of dominoes would fall if they get if they get embarrassed. Lucas, they lose the same four one, or they get swept. It, it's gonna it, they're gonna Doc, have to reevaluate Doc, some of the the personnel decisions. And and Doc, I can't disagree with that. Doc is not a superior coach compared to Nick Nurse. Like you said earlier, Lucas, they they've owned us three one. And they beat us without Van Vliet. And he's going to be coming back with fresh legs. He's probably one of the best three-point shooters. Siakam's playing out of, his, out of his mind. So, yeah, Toronto is a formidable opponent, but we just have to have faith. We have to have faith that Joel and Harden are going to get on the same page. They're going to produce like the superstars that they are. If and, they both play at superstar level, out. then yes, the Sixers yeah. can probably do this. I just don't know if Harden could do that for seven out of A's. Seven, four out of seven games in I don't, a series. I don't know if he has to. If 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 Tobias and Maxi can can supplement that, then Tobias I think has okay. struggled in this series against. Well, you're right because he doesn't. He's not athletic. That's that's yeah, the biggest but, thing that they have over us is athleticism. And now we're losing our most athletic wing and Thibault yeah. for away game. Like it's Sorry. like like I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to be pessimistic here. I'm being realistic. Like I'm not. Like, I hope the Sixers win. I want them to win. Like, I, I want that to be clear. I really hope the Sixers will win. But 
I just there's Doc Rivers and then there's the thigh bowl aspect yeah. and the fact that this the record speaks for itself. Yeah. Like and the thing is, what if I told you that Tyrese Maxey in those games shot over fifty percent from the field and over forty percent from uh from the three point line in those series averaging nineteen points per game. And we still want one three. Well, it's it's a different season once the playoffs start. So I know, I know. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying, and I'm pulling up the thigh bowl numbers now. I mean, uh, Harris numbers now for Toronto. In this series, he is shooting. He's scoring 12.8 points, score shooting 31 percent from the field and 18 percent from three point line. Are those from oh, this year? Man. This is that's from this year. All four games he played. All four games, and those are the stats from this year. Okay, that's terrible. Um, yeah, I don't see that changing because it takes him like two two weeks buffer to like be quicker with making decisions. Hopefully, you can I, turn it on. But yeah, being very realistic, it hurts. But I mean, it's the tr- it does sound like the truth. I'm just banking on the talent. I kind of want to explore the idea that you were talking about putting him beat on Siakam if needed. I don't think you need to like put him on him, but like. The Sixers are switching everything now at this point. Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing, though. They did that. Okay, so when they played them in 2018, guys, they had to play Joel on Siakam Mm because Tobias couldn't handle them. They put Tobias on Marcus All, and it worked. Okay. They say, say what you will about Brett Brown, but Brett Brown in that series was going toe to toe with Nick Nurse in terms of adjustments. I think the best bet is if they're gonna I, if they're gonna have their starting five with I, I think now with everybody healthy they like having the starting five with Siakam at center so you're gonna have that natural matchup that okay. means that means Tobias is either gonna have the guard Scotty Barnes or uh, OG Anobi. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah, Especially and then Danny Green's gonna have to be guarding the other one. Hmm. That's not good either. Yeah, and then that's better. <laughs> and then Tyrese and and then Tyrese and James are gonna have to figure out who's gonna guard Gary Trent, who has been very yeah, or Fred Van Vliet, who just made his first All Star game. So yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to be you know you pessimistic. Guys, you kind of talked me out of taking the Sixers, but I just want I gotta stay with my pick. <laughs> I mean, you've already made your picks. So, no, I know. You know. I know. I know it's it's very logical though. It just sound like you painted the picture. Like I've seen the movie so many times. I'm like, yeah, that could easily happen. <laughs> like I'm not. I hope I'm. Wrong. I really do. Yeah. I hope that this week off, this week for the plan, like that James gets a little bit healthier and like he figure he's more willing to become a more spot up shooter on you know swings and everything. And I hope that, you know, Joel's like 100%. And I hope that Danny Green plays like he did at the end of the season. Like, I'm hoping for all this, guys. At least we know Paul Reed's definitely playing in game three and four. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. All right, the regular season is now wrapped up. The Sixers ended up with a, a pretty decent record. I don't know what people anticipated at the start of the season, but they finished up fourth in the Eastern Conference. What we're going to do right now is we're going to give a grade from A to F 
from all the players who are currently on the roster. We're not going to grade Curry or 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 um, Andre Drummond. So we'll start. We're actually going to start with the people that are not playing on the court every night. We're going to start with Doc Rivers. What grade would you give Doc Rivers, Justin? I'll say uh, D plus. Mm. Because wow. I really just feel he's a little too stubborn with the rotation. Like we shouldn't really be like, I, I shouldn't have mentioned Bebo Paul as much as I've had. I have already in this podcast because like the playoffs are a couple of days away and he's like kind of essential to the team. Like this should have been figured out already. And that's on him. I don't like his rotations. I, I just didn't, I don't like that. He didn't try to play any of the guys and figure it out and give, himself and Daryl and the team more options to work with. Like we honestly, we knew the Sixers were going to make the playoffs. I mean, he does coach teams to the playoffs. So, but other than that, like not trying to like right wrongs from before where he has history of mistakes where this could have been fixed and he has a better executive and one of the best players he ever coached, like in the literal prime of his career, he hasn't maximized it enough to uh, grow potential postseason success like they're not one of the favorites like we were just stressing about them losing to toronto so that's why i have him at a d plus i was gonna be a little bit more generous to say c because for all the things that you said that he does wrong and i'm not gonna disagree there he did help lead this team through the ben simmons adversity and still keep them afloat Thanks in part to the play of Joel Embiid, but I mean, he did embrace the Tyrese Maxey, you know, he experience no choice, this season. He yeah, no he choice. didn't have a choice, but you know what? He did it anyway, and it worked out. And he, he didn't seem to hamstring Tyrese too much. And he did help Tyrese develop as a playmaker because mm-hmm. prior to the Harden trade, I think there was a six game stretch where Tyrese was averaging about like six assists a game, something like that. So, I, I as much as we want to, you know, and he did recruit. He did recruit Andre Drummond. And John, Andre was a big part of this team before the trade. So, give him credit on that, too. So, I'll say I'll say C. I'll say C. I'll say, I think he did an average job. All right. I will give him a C as well for the same reasons that Lucas said. How about Daryl Morey? What do you think? Um, B+. Plus. Because he made the correct play and was a lot more patient than I and many other people would have been. And, but I say B, like I would have given him an A, but I feel like they weren't prepared enough for what they could do after the Harden deal, where there's so many holes left in the roster. And possibly that was time constraint because it was done like two hours before the deadline. But I and I feel like they could have looked for other people, or even in the past month and a half or so, scoured the G League or people that are unsigned and stuff like that. So I feel like the little margins, which he's usually good at, he didn't fill all of them this year. But he got his big fish, so that's why it's a B plus. Uh, I'll give him just a solid B. I for the same reasons you said. I think he really failed in the front court depth here. I mean, you the point guard depth or the guard depth is okay, I guess you can 
you know, say what you will about that. But in terms of the front court get depth, there is no reason to have both Paul Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan on the roster. If you wanted to bring Jordan on to make uh, Doc Rivers happy, fine. But you should have waived Paul Paul Millsap as soon as possible because you know what? If, even if they couldn't find another wing or another center that was worthy of minutes – you know what they could have done, guys? They could have just signed Charlie Brown Jr. to a, a deal for the rest of the season and non-guaranteed for after that. Like, Charlie Brown Jr. would be a better option to have on the roster right now than Paul Millsap in per- terms of being able to produce on the court. So, I mean, there were other options available besides Charlie Brown Jr. I'm, I'm not saying that there weren't, but you could have done better. All right, Justin, we're going to start with players giving grades from our bench. Let's start with Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe, solid D, just not enough time. I liked what I saw, but I wish I saw more. That's not on him, though, for the most part. C- minus needed more time to develop. He didn't get it. Didn't get G League run either. Yeah, I, I would give him a C- minus too. I, I thought he would do a little bit more this year, but what about Paul Reed, guys? Bebo Paul, solid D. Again, basically same description as Isaiah Joe. I'm I'm gonna give him a C plus because he did get a little bit more run at the end. And I think at the end of the season we can all say that he probably played up to B plus, so average it out. I'm gonna give him a C plus. I think I'll give him a C. I think what I saw from him was definitely worth giving him minutes in the postseason. I do think he could have made a, a little bit more of a leap, but you know, hopefully we'll we'll see him make some contributions against Toronto. How about Furkan Korkmaz? D minus, just very unplayable because he couldn't hit shots. He just really couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat for most of the season. That's I'm gonna I'm give him an F plus. And <laughs> the only reason he gets the plus is because he had that hot streak to begin the year. He's just been horrendous. He's been unplayable. Yeah. I I really hope he turns around next season. But right now, even though he signed like five million for like the next two years, it, it's a bad contract right now. Wait, yeah. oh, never mind. Yeah, Corkmaz. I'm really disappointed. I had high hopes for him. I thought he'd be able to be a contributor, but he could not find anything consistent in his game. There's so many times this year, guys. I saw him do like an air ball layup or just shooting wide open air ball from three. And you can't be doing that if you're making the money that he's making, but moving on, how about shake Milton? Uh, C minus the injury really hurt him. He struggled. I feel like mightily for a certain stretch of the year shooting, especially off the dribble from three. So yeah, just because the shooting wasn't there and he was hurt, but his ball handling and penetrating has been as good as it's ever been. I'm going to give him a C. Definitely, like you said, the injury hurt. He's found his. He's finally found his groove late in the season. I really hope that can, goes into the playoffs. But he just – it's been one of his worst seasons. But I think injuries uh, have really been an issue there. Yeah, I'm going to echo the same grades. I'd say C for Shake. He could have done more, but the injury – pretty much delayed any any progress he was making. And he, sometimes he looks lost out there. I think the addition of Harden makes him kind of question his role. He's been playing a lot better lately, and we're going to need him against Toronto, but I give him a C. What about George's Niang, Justin? What do you think? 
I'm going to go with a B minus. Uh, impressed me with his ball handling and his vision and his willingness to shoot and his competitive like fire. I like that you could tell he is emotionally into the game and, and trash talking and stuff like that. And he was very needed for the Sixers in in his position and his skill set. I'm I'm gonna say B plus. I think he's probably been the most consistent bench player all season and arguably the best. He's been closing games. He's been solid on both ends. I I don't think you could have expected him to play any better than he has this season. So I'm gonna say B plus. I agree, Lucas. I, I'd give him a B. I think he's the most consistent bench player. He knows his role and he and he embraces it. And he executes. He's one of the best three-point shooters on the team, and they're going to need him in, in Toronto for that series. So let's move on to hmm, Matisse Thybul. Justin? Uh, I will go with a C-. minus. No. Oh, I don't know if that's a good reaction or not. <laughs> uh, you'll find out. Do okay. tell. Okay. Uh, C-, minus. he was kind of – same all year, I feel like he stepped back a little bit because of what I saw. I don't know if that was this past year or the last one with when he played for Team Australia. I like that he looked like he was rounding out into a more well-rounded player, at least that he could handle the ball without kicking it off himself or turning it over. But other than that, he was kind of Matisse-style highs and lows. Guys, a roller coaster to watch. I'm going to give Matisse a B minus. He's still an all NBA defender. I would say in terms of at least be it being a more consistent threat on offense, I think he improved. Maybe not three point shot, but like his two point shot has gotten so much better. Um so yeah, I, I I'm gonna give him B minus. I don't think, you know, I think he played about where we could hope outside of the three point shot. I was going to give him a B minus like Lucas, but in I know it's everyone's choice to to get the shot and all that good stuff, but I, I'm just disappointed that if all the players You're right, you can't that, hold that against him for the regular season. These are regular season grades. Uh, okay. Well, he could have did this during the regular season. That's that's no, where no, I'm no, coming no, from. But, but the, we're talking about his on court production. We are not talking about anything <laughs> off the court. <sighs> All right, fine. You I want me to you. keep I mean, it to I, the on court? I'll keep it on court. I'll give him B. I'll give him a B minus because he increased his point total average. His free throw percentage went from forty four percent last year to seventy nine percent this year. That's a his big three, improvement. His three point percentage is up this year. I think Harden unlocked a lot of his offensive capabilities. But if we were to do the holistic perspective of Thibault, I'd give him a C plus because I. I, I really wish he was there for the playoffs. But like you said, Lucas, this is about their on-court performance. And that being said, let's go to Danny Green, Justin. What grade do you give Danny Green? I'll go with a flat C. Just kind of Danny Green. Sometimes he annoys you and does some type of bone-hunted things. But then all the times he is just the wily vet who's not afraid to take the shot, is in the right place defensively. Just is always always a help, but not he's replaceable. I'm gonna go with a solid C as well. Um, Danny Green is either the Danny Green from last year, or he's the Danny Green who is injured and looks like he's lost a step. Right now, he's looking like the Danny Green from last year, and the Sixers need that if they want to have a chance against Toronto. 
I'm going to give him a C minus. His points dropped off from nine and a half points last year to six points. His three point percentage went from forty percent to thirty eight percent. He's too streaky for uh, too streaky for me. He just got a you know a new deal, two years, ten million. He'll probably be cut uh, before the before his contract uh, pops up in the summer. But but yeah, I give him like a, a C C minus. What about Tobias Harris, Justin? What do you think of Tobias? I will go with a solid B, mainly because of his quickened three-point shooting in the past month and a half or so. That really helped edge his grade up. I'm going to say a B- minus, just because he was really inconsistent to begin the year. And then he started to find it, and then James Harden came, and then he lost it again for like another three weeks. And now he's finally back. So I'm going to say B-. minus. Yeah, I would give a B minus. I think Tobias is he's always gonna be that eighteen to twenty point score, eight rebound guy. Uh decent shooter, nothing athletic, nothing to be counted on when you need him most. Unfortunately, he makes so much money, but you can't hold that against him. I think if anybody was inconvenienced by the Ben Simmons situation, I think it was definitely him. I think we've talked about in the past that defensively he seemed like to have a great year last year well that's because ben simmons was always guarding probably the first or second best wing player so he was exposed a little bit more in defense in this season and i think tobias he's like a a b minus type player what about tyrese maxi justin what grade would you give him tyrese maxi a plus i didn't see the shot getting so improved so quickly and just having a point guard who can pass dribble shoot and be one of the fastest guys on the court is beneficial to this team it would be to any team but it's very nice to see that he can get his own shot he's efficient and he doesn't turn the ball over so a plus i agree i think he gets an a plus the he's up for most improved player of the year uh he's clearly this the third best player on this team, second best before the Harden trade. The kid's going to be a star. We, we just, we're just here for the ride. Yeah, I can't disagree. I think he's definitely an A player. And if you think Lucas, the his numbers, the only player that has had a bigger jump in terms of points per game from last season to this season is Anthony Simons, who mm-hmm. right now really is the number one option. So no duh, he's going to score more points. And then you look at Desmond Bain, who's right there neck and neck with Maxi, and he's the second option. So it makes sense that he would have a leap in scoring. Maxi's the third option on this team. So for him to make that leap and to be shooting over 42% from three is a remarkable feat for a second-year player. How about James Harden? James Harden, I will give a solid B. He had the very great honeymoon phase to begin those five games where he looked incredible. And... It's been up and down ever since with people believe in injury. People believe he's, I don't know, kind of dogging it on purpose or he actually lost a step. But the passing is so incredibly. He's had 14 assists like two times in the past couple weeks. It's just very nice to see a a guy like that on the Sixers. And it's James Harden. So, yeah, B. I'm I'm going to – I'm struggling with this one. You know, I'm going to say B – no, I'm going to say A-. minus. Just because even when he struggles to score the ball, guys, he's now made himself into this one of the best playmakers in the NBA. So, um, despite the struggles, I'm I'm going to still give him some love. I'm going to give him an A minus. 
Uh, I think I'll give him a B plus. I think Harden could be doing more. It's remains to be seen if he's really struggling because of his hamstring. We won't know. I mean, they tell us one thing, but what do we what do we really know? What's going on? So I, I give him a B plus. He's he's definitely an upgrade in the distribution department. He definitely gives you a lot more with vision and and veteran experience. But this one's a no brainer. What about Embiid? Joel Embiid receives an A plus for putting the team and the, and the city on his back for five months of the most annoying story in recent Philadelphia sports lore, and he's the MV, He's my MVP and A plus best player in the NBA this season. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think he's an A plus easily. I he's the he should win the MVP this year. I think that last 40-point, 40 40.20 game of his regular season has should solidify that. Um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's an A-plus easily. Yeah, I, I can't argue. Joel Embiid elevated his game. He took it even higher than what it was last year. He definitely put the whole city and team on his back, and, and kudos to him. I'm, I'm really happy for him, and – if he doesn't get MVP, he's he's an MVP in, in, in our hearts. And as Sixers fans, I know we all appreciate that. So we'll transition and we'll finish the last segment. Yeah, we're going to switch gears into Joel Embiid's MVP chances. Guys, if somebody gave us each $1,000, who would we bet on to win MVP? I'll take Embiid because it feels like the narrative has turned – and Jokic is the favorite, and I just feel like that's a smoke screen. That word will be real popular in a couple weeks when the NFL draft comes up. And Beat will eventually win it because they're not going to give it to Jokic in back-to-back years with the race being so close. And Giannis, I don't see winning a third one. So I'll take and beat. I think I'll, I'll – I'm very tempted to say Jokic, but I think the narrative is – in favor of Joel at this point and with so many different people in social media and on ESPN coming out for, for uh, Joel, I could see him winning. And there are cases in the past, like Michael Jordan could have won MVP for like eight straight years, but the NBA was like, well, Carl Malone has been putting in so much time. So they gave him the award. Charles Barkley didn't have better numbers than, than, uh, Michael Jordan in 1993, but he won an MVP with Phoenix. So I think this could be the year with statistics aside, with Vorp and all the stuff that Jokic has over Embiid. I think he could walk away. So I'd put money on Embiid. I would put a m- money on Embiid too. I think the narrative has shift, j- shifted just because these last couple games he's had really big dominant games. And I think you could make the case that because James Harden is not playing like James Harden, it actually helps Joel's case that he's still carrying this team despite Harden struggling. So there's that. But let's go ahead to the next part. Guys, what do we think happened that pushed Joel Embiid out of MVP favorite? I will say uh, a media feel like disdain towards Philly nationally. Uh Twitter advanced stats, basically Jokic being the better passer. I feel like it really advanced stats and stuff like that really pushed it out. Yeah, I really think, Justin, it's it's Philly versus everybody. 
there's this cloud over the city and we're such bad we're such a bad fan base with how we treated players whether it's Markel Foltz or Ben Simmons while people ignore what those players lacked to bring to the table uh but I I, I think that I have to give credit when credit is due. I think Jokic just had a phenomenal season statistically without Murray, uh, you know, their second best player. He really carried that team. But Joel, look, Joel had a – I think him having Harden added to the team might have kind of taken a little favor out of the eyes of the voters. But we'll, we'll see in a couple weeks. So I think it's a couple things. Uriah, you kind of touched on it a little bit, I think. James Harden narrative kind of hurt and the fact that they weren't dominating, like just going off win after win. The other thing that I think kind of hurt them is two nationally televised games that they lost. Actually three. Yeah. Jokic in the Nuggets, Milwaukee and Giannis. The Brooklyn game. In the Brooklyn game. Oh, the man. fact that they lost those three. Yeah. And lost leads in those games. Is I think, and it was no fault of Joel's to be clear. Right, right, right. But he's the leader of that team, and the national narrative is going to hurt because of that. That being said, both Joel, Giannis, and and Jokic, all three of them, are more than worthy candidates. And any other year, where not any one, not all three are dominating at once, it wouldn't even be a close race. Yeah. But this is probably. Guys, and Dry, you're you're the oldest one here. Right? I'm pretty sure, unless Justin, you're like fifty something. You're not fifty, are you, Justin? <laughs> oh nah, nah, almost. But hold oh, on, man. how old are you, Justin? Nah, I'm only twenty four. Okay, you're young. Okay, cool. Yeah, unless Uriah can think of one, you know, further back. I think this is probably the tightest MVP race that I can personally remember. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Because you have not two, but three worthy candidates. I don't remember last time that there were like three legit candidates for an MVP. It's 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 tight as it's ever been. I agree. Mm-hmm. So last part here, guys, real quick. Who made the best case for Joel's MVP chances? Examples include Winhor- Brian Windhorse, Kendrick Perkins, Joel's personal trader, Drew Hanlon, Jalen Rose. Uh, you could even throw in stat muse there, guys. Who who's made the best, or even Joel? You can throw Joel in there because Joel's been campaigning. Who's made the best case for Joel's MVP chances? I will go with Perk. I feel like mainly because he's been championing Embiid for a long, for a while at least this season. It's probably because they're both they were both centers and. I just enjoy Perk's personality and how he delivers the message of Embiid being the best player or the worthy MVP this year. I think Perk really hit it home out of the people we mentioned. Hey, be- before I say who made the best case, I just want to plug this article that I wrote. Uh, Lucas published it for me. Thank you, Lucas. Listen, You're the welcome. guy who did not help Joel Embiid was Dr. J. And I'm calling out Dr. J. And, and I want to get Justin's opinion real quick. Listen, listen, Dr. J said that Jokic was more deserving. And that's his opinion. That's his right. But my thing is, Justin, I don't know if you watch the Phillies, but can you imagine if Mike Schmidt was asked by someone on the media about last season, like Bryce Harper's chances for winning MVP? It's like, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Bryce Harper, I really hope that he wins. But but uh, yeah, Soto, I think Soto is more deserving. 
or I think Freddie Freeman's more deserving. There's no way on God's green earth that Mike Schmidt or Chase Utley or I don't know, Ryan Howard would would throw their own player under the bus like that. So I, I just I'm still a little mad at Dr. Jake for that. Justin, did, do you agree with that assessment? What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's just I feel like it was so random that because Dr. J doesn't do media. It was very odd that somebody asked him about this. And the but. thing is, if, if you're not look, if you're not going to help Joel's image, at least don't go out of your way to hurt his chances. But anyway, real quick, I think Drew Hanlon has gone to bat for his guy bringing out stats. I, I think, like you said, uh, Perkins has championed Embiid all season. But I think Drew Hanlon's really dr- brought up a lot of good points. Yeah, Drew's I, on Twitter with that. I oh, went yeah. through Twitter before, and it's I, all Embiid. You know, as much as I would like to say Drew Hanlon, he's not the one that's been putting out the most stats for Joel's favor. That's been Stat Muse. Yeah. Shout out to Stat Muse. Stat Muse is on top of their stuff, and they've been. So here, here's some interesting numbers. I'm pretty sure Joel is the first and only player this season to have a 40 and 20 game. He's also now, since the ABA NBA merger, the player with the most 40 and 10 games in a single season, surpassing Westbrook and uh, Moses Malone, both winning their MVPs that year. He's leading the league in scoring, and he has lower uh, turnover percentage than Jokic. If you wanted to do that, if you wanted to throw that one out, if if we're talking about passing and decision making, just saying there. But I'm I'm going to say Statmuse, though I like Kendrick and you know Drew Hanlon as good options as well. I know it's getting late, and we got to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Sure, sure. First thing I want to do is thank Justin for coming on to the Sixer Sense podcast. Uh, we appreciate your insight, Justin. Do you want to give everyone your social media handle, maybe Twitter or, or wherever you can be found? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore jdvirgilio4. Yeah, and uh, on behalf of Lucas and myself and Chris, who couldn't be here, I'm Uriah Young, and you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, obviously, you can subscribe to the Six or Sense podcast on Audible, Google Play, Apple iTunes. You know where to find us. So until next time, uh, we'll catch up with you then. Hey, look, we're in the playoffs, guys. So we're looking forward to some playoff basketball. Until then, go Sixers, and we will catch up with you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.